0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's JC Sherbert. Welcome back into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm JC Sherbert here with you on a Tuesday. A happy Tuesday, everyone, October 20th, 2020. 10 20, 2020. Uh, today, um, apologies for no Monday episode. I, uh, believe it or not, had a virus on my phone. Plugged my phone into my computer to try to restart it, and it locked up my computer. So good folks at Apple helped me kind of do a hard reset and fix it. So I'm happy for that. Um, happy for all of you out there because South Carolina won a game this past weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me defeating uh, Auburn for the first time since 1933, 30-22. Uh, really solid win. You know, looking at it, Carolina faced some adversity early. I know some of you are probably throwing things at the TV. Uh, when Carolina went down 9 nothing in 16-7, it looked like they couldn't stop Auburn, but they made some adjustments and uh, really played well in the second half defensively. I, I thought, you know, when, when you look at it, you know this defense rose to the occasion uh and bounced back from adversity and that's what good football teams do. you know they don't let bad things that happen that are inevitable during a football game kind of crush their spirits, they come back, they battle back and and that's what good football teams do and i and I think South Carolina now through four games uh has a chance to be a pretty good football team now they also could be. You know, sitting there at two and five after the next three, you, you just don't know uh, with the all SEC schedule. You know what you're going to face weekend and week out. But you know, we're not even talking about that if the Gamecocks don't get up off the mat and beat Auburn uh, over the weekend. I thought you know just a, a tremendous win right there at Williams Bryce, a win over a ranked team. You can debate all you want if Auburn deserved to be ranked. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that Auburn would be in my top 25. But uh, I think heading in, you know, because you can say, well, they should have lost Arkansas. But Arkansas is coming around. I mean, Arkansas beat Ole Miss this past weekend. They are better than people think. Uh, they are not too far away from being three and one right now under the pit boss out there in Fayetteville. So, you know, I think Auburn, you know, is a good team. I think they have issues. Uh, I thought Chad Moore showed a lot of arrogance with how they were dialing it up, trying to go after JC Horn and. They just kind of said, well, Seth Williams can handle him. And that just wasn't the truth. And it's a whole lot easier to, on well, the subject of JC Horn to explain to everyone how good he is, because it's kind of like an offensive lineman, you know, how you don't pay attention to him unless they do something. Um, and usually that's bad, you know, uh, and people don't realize JC Horn's been shutting down his side of the field for a long time. He just does not get a whole lot of challenges. And, uh, Florida kind of went after him with Kyle Pitts a little bit and and all that. But, you know, having something tangible like an interception, he caused another interception, then he got another interception, almost scored on it. That just kind of shows you that that guy uh, is one of the very best in the Southeastern Conference, and he has been for quite a while. Uh, So I'm glad you guys got to see that because, you know, a lot of times when you're losing and you're not playing well and you're giving up passing yards and the secondary as a whole is is, is struggling – you know, you kind of go, well, you just kind of lump them all in together. But J.C. Horn's a fantastic football player, and, and, and it was good to see him get some big plays Saturday that sort of reinforce all that, uh, if that makes any sense. I, I think that, um, you know, that was a big deal for him, and, and a big deal to just kind of a, you know, a show-me kind of deal uh, for him to go show how good he really is. Uh, I thought Shiloh Sanders, st- staying with the secondary, was really good extensive action for him for the first time, really. I mean, he's played some. He's playing more and more. Uh, I like the way he's physical. Uh, he's going to end up being really good. I mean, they, uh, they're they kind of laying the groundwork here, I think, for him to be a hell of a football player. Uh, and he's starting to show that. You know, John Dixon playing 83 snaps just like Horn did. They were on the field the whole game. Uh, I thought he held up well. And I thought Jalen Dickerson getting his first pick, he continues to play well. And as long as he can stay healthy, he's got a bright future. So the secondary really played well. Now I know Auburn is sort of uh, just watching them. And I watched Bo Nicks a lot last year. They, they're struggling right now, blending what Chad Morris likes to do with sort of what uh, Gus Malzahn has always done. Uh, I, I think that, you know, with the way their offensive line is right now, he's running for his life sometimes. Uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I just think he's a good quarterback that has not played well this year. Uh, And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. He's just a sophomore. Uh, And he'll be a sophomore again next season (laughs) because of the red shirt rules and all that good stuff. But I I, I do want to say that about Bo Nix. I I, I agree with Will Muschamp that said Bo Nix competes his butt off. And he does but this is not the uh inside auburn podcast this is inside the game podcast so we'll move on um you know this is one of those games where you kind of look at it and um and i apologize if i kind of jumped around there I, I thought i hit unpause on the uh recording here and i don't know that it did it um so if i'm jumping from thing to thing i'm just going to kind of start over uh You know, Gamecocks got out-gained by 200 yards in the football game. It kind of reminds me of one of those games back in 2017 where turnovers made the difference. The stat sheet isn't a thing of beauty. And you kind of go, how did Carolina win? Well, they got got the turnovers and they got the key stops. And I thought the offense at key moments, and we've talked about this, you know, uh, through the first two losses of the year, how both sides of the ball have to take advantage of the moments. And I think, you know, Carolina getting the turnover, sure enough, the offense marches right down the field and scores. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big thing. South Carolina's offensive line, uh, and I know a lot of you are going to be happy about this because it's one of those positions we talk about every year and uh, in the offseason. And, and, you know, I think, I think there's a, I don't know, sort of a, a wrong perception because of what Muschamp said before his first year bragging on the offensive line, and then that, that was not a good group. Um, I thought it got better in 2017. I thought it was really good in 2018. I took a step back last season. They were just inconsistent because they were young. And you had Dylan them hurt most of the year. But I, I think when you look at the offensive line with Turning Time now at left tackle and Dylan playing right, that, that's probably their best lineup. And, you know, Jazz tried to have, kind of fought his way back. They've always been really high on him. And I think if you kind of zero in on him a little bit, um, it wasn't perfect, but a little bit from time to time on Saturday, you you can see why, you know he's a big big guy that can move his feet, uh, and he's got good strength, uh, good technique, and and he's a guy that I think I think if they can continue to do this, that's going to be that's going to set them up for continued success on the ground, you know Kevin Harris another good day I, I thought the holding call uh, Javon Gwin did hold the guy for a second, but then he pancaked him. So I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of ticky tack. Uh, you probably could have called it, but, you know, you have a 90-yarder race, that, that stinks. But, you know, Kevin Harris continues to play at a high level, 83 yards on 25 carries. And then Deshaun Fenwick, man, say what you want, you know, as that kind of second back, he comes in there and does what he's supposed to do and runs hard. Um, he's been very consistent, very consistent this year, catching the ball, running it. Uh, And that's big because, you know, Kevin Harris is going to get tired. (laughs) you got to have a backup running back, and um, he's certainly become that. You know, I I thought it was a positive for Zaquandre White in terms of his, uh, you know, confidence moving forward because he's not getting carries right now, but uh, he's playing special teams and was, I think, the special teams player of the week for the Gamecocks. So that's a positive thing there. Hopefully they get him going you know, Dakarian Joyner, I've sat here on the podcast and said for a long time, maybe he's at his best when he gets the ball from scrimmage. Another big run, 14 yards, this time on the reverse uh, for the Gamecocks. And then Shy Smith, uh, I think we were all kind of worried that Shy Smith wasn't, you know, a real number one receiver. Well, he's a number one receiver. Um, and I think maybe I was a little more confident than some of you guys because I've I've always been really, really high on Shy Smith and, you know his ability and because and he, he's not just and I've said this before he's not just a small guy that's fast he's got really good receiving skills really good hands uh, body control he, he went up on the fade for the touchdown that was big and then that one-handed catch on the sidelines was one of the better catches I think we've seen uh, and that's good because you know when you replace a Brian Edwards who can go up and make catches like that you need a guy that can do it and He certainly did it. Thought Colin Hill was probably not his best Saturday, uh, but certainly was good enough to win Um, the game. uh, Continues to make good decisions, you know, and and it's something you don't even really see, you know, in terms of like getting Carolina in the right run call, you know, getting Carolina's protection ready to roll on offense, making the right read in the passing game. I mean, the, the screen pass early in the game to Kevin Harris, you could almost just see it develop. Uh, and you're like, well, uh-oh, they're crashing at him. And oh, oh, there we go, screen pass. So that was big. You know, I, I thought, I thought the Carolina offense, that you know, that they didn't go up and down the field for a bunch of yards, but they do continue to move the ball. And perhaps most importantly, and, and this is something that the last few years Carolina struggled with: take advantage of your opportunities when you get them. Put it in the end zone. You know, when you get an opportunity, Carolina did that against Auburn. On Saturday, and it had equaled, you know, the first win over those guys since the 30s and since Carolina's been in the Southeastern Conference. So, you know, there's one more team left Carolina's never beat since they've been in the league, and that's Texas A&M. So all the original members, you know, and I say original original for Carolina in 1992, the Gamecocks have at least one win over now. So that, that's good. You don't want bad losing streaks like that. I remember – you know, back in the day where Virginia had never beaten Clemson, and it was such a huge deal when they finally did. Uh, but that was, I think, 28 games. So you don't want 28 games uh, against Auburn. Uh, and, you know, this is where it had to happen, so it happened there. So that that's a positive thing for the Gamecocks. Um, so, yeah, overall a really good win. Kai Kroger at punter. Punted it extremely well Saturday, second straight game. His average has been up there. I think he was named a specialist of the week by the SEC. Um, and you know, he he's a guy. I've said it. Will Muschamp said it, and everybody said it. He was better than what he was kicking. He's got talent. He's got a good leg. So that was important in the football game because field position obviously was huge for Carolina uh coming out with that victory. So, all in all, good performance. Wasn't perfect, but. You take it, you take a win over Auburn. Uh, There's been games against those guys over the years where the Gamecocks have played awfully well and walked away uh, with their head between their legs. uh, Or, I guess, head between their legs. That's probably not a good one. Uh, Tail between their legs? No. With their head hanging low. How about that? Because they lost uh, and and actually played well enough to win but did not win against those guys. So you take that victory – on Saturday, and and it doesn't get any easier because this coming Saturday, under the lights in Baton Rouge, the Gamecocks play the LSU Tigers. Now, this is another team Carolina has not beaten since 1994. Uh, There's been games where Carolina's played them tough. I mean, the 2012 game in and of itself was a microcosm of a lot of things. Uh, Gamecocks lost 23-21. I remember I was there, and uh, my brother was actually – at the game. He's a private pilot. Uh, I'm sitting there. I went by myself, drove down from Nashville by myself just to enjoy the game, get away, and uh, I'm sitting there and I get a, a text from my brother, and it's the stands that I'm sitting in. He's just two sections over. So we had a nice reunion there. Gamecocks did lose 23-21 in a heck of a ball game. You know, Carolina was ranked third in the country, and uh, boy, Les Miles just ran it and ran it and ran it. And, ran it. and look, I think – in spite of the fact that LSU is chucking it all over the yard. If Miles Brennan, their quarterback, and he is questionable, does not play Saturday, I don't know that they're going to be chucking it all over the yard. I think that they probably are going to line up and feel like, well, look, man, we've got players, we're physical, we're going to try to gash the Gamecocks. Now, that's an early sort of gut feeling on my end, okay, So, so if they don't do it, Don't come back and say, (laughs) but that's my gut feeling. I do, however, think it is a winnable game for the Gamecocks. I think, um, when you kind of look at these two teams, you know, one is not dramatically superior to the other. Uh, I think probably LSU has more talent, but I also think the Gamecocks, I mean, Auburn probably had more talent too. Uh, I think when you look back, Florida probably had more talent. Tennessee probably is even with Carolina. Uh, And that game's looking more like an upset. You know, it's amazing, guys, how like week to week things change. And I knew this year was going to be, you know, just as a college football guy, I I knew this year in the SEC was going to be fun because, (laughs) you know, you're dealing with a pandemic, you're dealing with lack of a crowd. Uh, at most places, although Gamecocks fans were loud this past weekend, um, you know, it, it's it's a weird year. You know, you didn't start till the end of September. It's 10 games. You know, you're playing teams you weren't expecting to play. Uh, so kind of when you look at it, you knew it was going to be kind of a weird season. But you know, think about the perception like, OK, so a couple of weeks ago, everybody's worried about Ole Miss because they went up and down the field on Bama. Uh, like they did. Nobody really stopped them. And then Arkansas stops them. So you're like, well, how good are they? You know, a couple of weeks ago, Kentucky lost to old Miss at home. Well <laughs> they went into Knoxville and did something they've only done twice. It's only a third time since 1984 and thumped the volunteers 34 to seven. So like, I, I'm sure all of you are kind of like me, your, your perception of those two trips to Oxford and Lexington may have changed. You know, Kentucky's one of the teams in the league that's playing defense right now. You know, there's just not a lot of – there's not a lot of defense being played. <laughs> I don't think uh, – even Georgia this past weekend when they played Alabama, who's got the best offense in the league, maybe maybe one of the best in the country. You know, even they had some, some leaks in the ship, so to speak. So, it's really interesting. And, and like I mentioned, Arkansas, you know, I think the perception was, ah, Auburn almost lost to Arkansas, therefore they're not that good. Well – Lo and behold, <laughs> the Hogs are two and two, and they probably should be three and one right now. Uh, you know, shutting Ole Miss down like that is not easy, especially when you, you think about Arkansas's personnel defensively. It's not, you know, I, I think they were kind of banking on building that side of the ball and it taking a little more time than uh, the offensive side of the ball where Chad Morris did lead them with some good receivers and they have Felipe Franks at quarterback who's a veteran and all that good stuff. So we'll see what happens there, but it's a winnable game in Baton Rouge for the Gamecocks. Uh, Will they win? I don't know. I think it'll probably be a close game right down to the wire and whoever makes the least mistakes are probably, it's probably going to win it. I mean, we'll see, you know, we'll see. And we'll certainly get into that game uh, later on here on the podcast, but I do have a lot, a lot of, of mailbag questions lots plenty of mailbag questions so so here we go and um we're gonna go with twitter first and you can get um twitter uh at the big spur pod and so just tweet tweet at the big spur pod and i answer all the questions so we got it we got it we got it all right so here we go All right. Jordan Flowers is probably right about Jarrett Garantano. Look, and and I'm going to say this. I've never been high on Garantano. If you look back through, it feels like he's been there for 28 years. Um, I think I covered him as a recruit. But, you know, I've never really been super-duper high on him. Uh, But you did give me some video evidence here that was not positive. Uh, He did not play well against Kentucky. So – you know, more power to you uh, about Garantano. I will say this, uh, cause I, I have said a lot of things about him that, you know, would make one believe that I'm not high on his ability ever since he was a recruit. Um, and so I do kind of pick him apart. And if there's something positive, I'll throw it out there. Uh, and I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, I'll say, well, he stands in the pocket and can take a hit and all this good stuff. So we'll see. But Jordan, thank you for the, uh, the email there and good to see you and your lovely bride there in your Twitter profile. Uh, and uh, hopefully, yeah, it looks like a baby's coming. So congratulations on that, man. Congratulations. It's big time stuff. That's better than any win or uh, loss or college football Saturday. So thank you for that. And then Justin has a second question or no, I'm sorry. Justin's coming. Justin's next, Justin Jordan. I get it confused. Forgive me. I was rattled by the virus, but you know, when a virus takes over your phone and your computer, like I couldn't even text with my friends during the game. This started, this started happening like at 1030 Saturday morning. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of a group text going back and forth. And then all of a sudden it's like, I mean, that's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling. All right, Justin says, "Man, doesn't it feel great to wake up on a Sunday after a great win?" I'm cautiously optimistic, as I felt the same after the Georgia win last year. You think they carry the momentum this time and get a W at LSU? Oh, there are still two hot spots in Pickens County. Yeah, it's a, the hot spot. He's not talking about internet, folks. That would have kind of been funny. Uh, he's talking about the convenience store. And uh, you know, every week I have players in hot spots. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it feels good because I'm happy for y'all. You know, and I've said this many times, and, and you know, because I've chosen to make my daggum hobby my job, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, my hobbies are like politics and history and movies, you know? Uh, you know, I, I don't sit around and watch ball, you know, it's work for me, and, it, it, and it's, it's not really work. I mean, I could actually be working, but um, you know, it's, it's some I always kind of take a little more serious rather than just, you know, go watch them. Like, we're, like, uh, you know, or later today, significant other and I are going to uh, order some food and watch the show Archer on because um, <laughs> uh, I haven't really seen it a whole lot. But I've caught her watching episodes and I'll, I'm going to sit down and watch some of it today. So that's kind of that's kind of my deal, my life. Um, and, and you know, when South Carolina, since I've been doing just the big spur, uh, because when I wasn't doing just the big spur, I'd kind of watch all the games. Sure, I'd pull for the Gamecocks and. Gamecocks were winning a lot then, so didn't really have to worry about it. But just doing Big Spur, and this has been since about 2015. It's it's a relief for me when they win, and it's it's tough when they lose, just because uh, the reaction from all of you guys. And and I, and I know, and you may be saying, well, you just don't like to hear people complain and get negative, and that's not true. I mean, I, I respect the the negative negativity, and the, because there's that means you care, and it's you know you're passionate. You know, so for me, does it feel good? Yeah, it feels I'm relieved. Um, you mentioned after the Georgia win last year. Keep this in mind, though. South Carolina after Georgia last year. All right, so they had just gotten the Kentucky deal off their backs, okay? They just snapped the long losing streak to Kentucky. And then they go into Georgia and play great defensively. What Champ actually mentioned today during the press conference, not so great offensively. Uh, and then the Gators come to town and it's raining and Carolina played a really good football game up until the fourth quarter. And if, if that, you know, that uh, dagum call hadn't happened, who knows what would have happened in that game. Uh, and then that team lost confidence really second half against Tennessee the next week, the offense lost confidence and never got it back. Um, So I think they can carry the momentum uh, this time. And I, I think that, you know it's important, and I've said this before. I said this before the Auburn game. I think Carolina needs to be sitting at three and three going to Oxford. Um, and so, if you win, you get an off beat, and or I'm sorry, off beat, off date, open date, uh, and then you know you got a And M coming in, another team you haven't beaten, but you got a lot of confidence if you're coming off wins over Auburn and LSU. And you got A&M coming in, you know, that's that's a big one because A&M's turned it around and they're playing well right now. You know, you, you can kind of get ready for that, and that's just kind of a bonus. But if you lose and you're 2-3 and three going into the off week, you know, that A&M game looms large, you know. And, and so I think the Gamecocks need all of the confidence they can possibly get heading into the football game. Um, so yeah, can they carry the momentum? Yes. Yeah, two in a row, two in a row. Uh, Justin has a second question. Do you think it was a stupid game plan to attack JC? Do you think it was the plan of just Knicks making the terrible mistake over and over? I think, I think it's arrogance. You know, I, 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 I said this, um, after the game, I thought, I thought they were a little arrogant about that. I would not have gone after him. You know, I, I think they felt like Seth Williams was maybe a better player to make plays. Uh, and it backfired on them. I, I've got a lot of questions, um, you know, about Auburn and their ability to sort of, uh, you know, mesh Chad Morris with Gus Malzahn. It sounded like it would be seamless, but I just don't know that it is. I think what Gus does is different than what Chad does. And I, and I just uh, – maybe maybe it's not that way. But I, I think Chad Morris is very pass-happy. Uh, and, look, they got good receivers – Bo Nix could make better decisions, and Bo Nix actually was throwing it pretty well early. But you know, you take the run game and the dynamic run game out of that system—that's uh, very hard to stop and scheme up. I mean, you know, you—I you, don't know—I don't know what you're doing. You got good backs, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you, Justin. Uh, C. Ray says Bo Nix in a very good quarterback. He's going to force it to Seth Williams and win a really good corners on him, would result in the turnover, or bad passes. Agree there. Midnight Rider rocks in. He's like as champ alluded to, the job Dixon old Schwartz did was almost equally impressive. The young talent on this team is rising to the top. Could be a fun few years. The last two classes were loaded. There are some young guys playing well. John Dixon, nobody remembers this, but when when, when he was a recruit, they had him in camp. He's out of Tampa. And it was his rising junior year. And he was they said he's the best corner at camp that they had. Uh, and then he goes into his senior year with about 40 offers, okay, (laughs) and he got hurt, and as other schools filled up, he kind of went down their board a little bit. It ended up being Carolina and Penn State. I mean, so it wasn't like Carolina beat USF on him or something like that, although you can beat USF on a good player. It happens. Um, But, yeah, Dixon Dixon did a good – Schwartz scared me coming into this game, Ryder. I mean, it was – it was tough. Justin says, "Where's my daily dose of the big spur pot?" I'm dialing over, dying over here. He chimes in yesterday on that. Yep, sorry about that. Had a virus and wasn't good. I usually try to get it up on Monday. Sometimes when I travel over the weekend, it's tough for me to get it on Monday because I'm drained and going through airports and stuff like that. But I wasn't traveling. You know, there was a technical issue. Uh, so no excuse there, but we got you. We got you covered. Um, Pretty Ricky says, how early in the week was LSU Florida canceled? How much will this unscheduled bye week help them? And you'll probably cover this before getting the mailbag, but how many guys will LSU have out for the game? Thanks for taking our questions. I haven't looked. Um, LSU did not have a COVID outbreak, though. That was Florida, and that's why they had to reschedule it. And those two schools love to reschedule games with each other. Um the thing with LSU, you got to look for is Miles Brennan, their starting quarterback, could be out. In fact, Orgeron said questionable, but Orgeron also said, uh, you know, he uh, he's repping the other, the two true freshmen. You know, so we'll see kind of what uh, what happens there. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't have an updated injury report for them. But I, just uh, in case you were asking this, they don't have they didn't have a COVID outbreak like Florida did. That was all Florida. So um, that's the deal there. All right. Jordy says, JC, one of these days I will have a non-recruiting-related question for you, but that day is not today. What do you make, if anything, of Kamari Wilson adding Cut football to his bio on Instagram after he was on campus Saturday? Love the show. Thanks, boss. I, I think it's a good sign. I think that, look, you know, it, it's early, but that 2022 class – As we all know, the, the ranking for the 2021 class, just because of everything, not just, I mean, it's primarily because of the hot seat talk and the struggling on the field last year. And then also because, you know, how you overcome that as a coaching staff is you have guys come and see for themselves and that they walk all, you know, so guys right now are making decisions based on what they see on the internet, (laughs) which sounds crazy. Um, And so you have these guys come to campus and they're like, oh, that's not reality. Reality is a bunch of good guys here, good players uh, and everything. And so uh, it's just one of those things. And, um, you know, so that hurts Carolina. And and look, I'll tell you this, um, you know, I know everybody else is going through it too, but but if you're everybody else – you know, you don't necessarily have a coach on the hot seat or, or a four and eight record hanging around your neck or an 0 and 2 starter, tons of negativity all over the internet. You know, so, so that hurts them. So I think we know 2021 is probably going to end up as a class, like I've said many times, needs to be like the 06 class. That 06 class was not ranked very highly, but you ended up with Eric Norwood, Captain Munterland, Darian Stewart, Emmanuel Cook. Uh, Chris Smelly was in that class. Say what you want about him, but he won some games as a starting quarterback at South Carolina. Um, yeah I think Hutch Eckerson was in that class as well. Uh ended up starting for the 2010 SEC East champion Gamecocks. Uh Jasper Brinkley was in that class, Casper Brinkley was in that class. So that's what you want. And none of those guys were rated over 3 stars. I think Smelly was a low 4 and Eckerson was a low 4. Um Garrett Anderson also was in that class. So that's kind of what you're looking for 2021, 2022. There's more of an opportunity because you've already got a five-star quarterback committed. That's going to help. You turn it around on the field this year, end up with a good season. You're going to have momentum, and at some point the NCAA is going to let them have visits again, hopefully. Uh, and so there's a better chance. So Kamari Wilson could be one of those guys, you know, that they win. Um, Spit, yeah. Okay, JC, you wrote the article that sold me on Will yet. We've been here before with this team. Do you think it's different now and why? Keep slaying it as always, my dude. I remember that article, and – yeah, I stand by it. And I, I even stood by it when I said, you know, maybe they need to make a change. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why. I've got a really good friend. Uh, I've had a lot of good, good friends that have worked with Will Muschamp over the years, you know, either covering him or working for him as a coach. Um, and they say nothing but good things about him. Uh, and so that, 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 was, that was it. But, you know, they're my friends too. And they're pretty honest, you know, when you talk, when you think he can win. And they're like, well, if he doesn't, you're going to have a great roster when he leaves, you know, look at Florida. Uh, And I was like, yeah, you know, McElwain went in there and won these two years in a row and had the best defense in the country, you know, not so great on offense, but great defense and that's half the battle. And so I stand by that. Now, some things that were in that article didn't happen. You know, the Kurt Roper's offense did not work. His idea of on offense did not work. Uh, And and I I didn't know at the time Roper would be the new guy. So, you know, I, that was kind of something it, it, I wasn't misled. I just didn't really, you know, I had like general information about what what's kind of system they do rather than specifically who it was. Um, do I think it's different now? We'll see, you know, and I don't I don't necessarily think South Carolina needs to win in Baton Rouge for things to be different. Uh, I think South Carolina needs to scratch out a, a, a bowl season, a bowl trip this year. Uh, you know, you look at the schedule. There's got to be, you know, some reasons. You know, you know. There's got to be some hope. You know, again, that trip to Kentucky, December fifth. Now, all of a sudden, looks very daunting because <laughs> they look really good and they're playing defense. Um, you know, Missouri. They were off this week after beating LSU. They come to Columbia. You know, you, you got to think you could win that one. Ole Miss is really good offensively, not so good defensively, and their offense got shut down this past weekend. A&M is vulnerable. Um, you know, it, it's it's a fun year in the sense that you don't know what to expect week to week, and that includes the Gamecocks. And they could be sitting there at two and five here directly. So, so you just don't know. I'll say this. I think what's different about this win uh, as opposed to maybe – you know, the Georgia game last year, whatever is, you know, big-time – Spurs used to say big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Well, look at who made the plays. Kevin Harris, Shy Smith, Nick Muse had a big catch. Jaston Turnington and Dylan Wanham, uh, you know, J.C. Horn, obviously, on defense. Dixon obviously played really well. You know, you kind of look at it, and so the, the players are and, – and I think that what's different than maybe last year would be complementary football – In other words, like the defense gets some turnovers, and you know the offense goes and scores a touchdown. You know, I I remember, gosh, A and M game in twenty seventeen. That twenty seventeen team that forced a lot of turnovers. I think A and M fumbles the ball, gives it the Gamecocks inside the fifteen, and they don't. They come away with no points. I mean, that kind of stuff kills you. Um, And so, I think right now. They're playing complimentary football. I think that against Tennessee earlier this year, they did not. I think this started happening like probably second half against Florida. You know, after being – if they cut it 38-17, they needed a couple stops. You know, the defense finally started stopping them. The offense goes down the field. So, it's just – it's just one of those things. So, it's – uh. It's just one of those things. So, i uh, I would like to say things are completely different based on that, but I'm not guaranteeing victory. I can't. I can't guarantee a win <laughs> this Saturday or the following game against A and M or at Ole Miss. You know, I'm probably going to pick them, but I can't guarantee that. So we'll just have to see. I think if they do go beat Ole Miss and happen to beat A and M and they're four and two going to Oxford, then obviously some things have changed because. You know, you've got three straight wins, four straight wins. Three of them are Auburn, LSU, and AM. and And that just – the SEC West has been sort of a house of horrors for the Gamecocks. I think they have a winning record against Mississippi State from that division, and that's it. So, there you go. Preacher Man LT says, where you at, brother? I know, I'm getting there. All right, so those were all the Twitter mailbag questions. You can also get it inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That's an email deal. Uh, Going back, Michael, mailbag questions. And this may have actually – this came in early Saturday morning. So, Michael, I'm getting into it now. Hey, JC, thanks for what you do. been listening for a while now and appreciate your perspective on the Gamecocks. Thank you, Michael. My question is, what do you think the chances are that we get Jalen Brooks approved to play this year? What do you think is currently holding up his appeal? just seems a little odd that he hasn't been approved with all the changes the NCAA has made recently regarding eligibility. I'm just as surprised as you are that there hadn't been one thing – uh definitively one way or the other. I think it's unfair to the kid. Um I just think maybe it's a paperwork thing, maybe it's a logistical thing. Uh I haven't really been given a definitive answer. And Muschamp said today no timetable on it. So don't know. Don't know. I, I think they could still use him. You know, I think I think Carolina could, you know, well Mike Bobo can really dial up plays but I think he'd love to have another receiver out there that's kind of a proven guy that can make some things happen. Um, So, so that's the deal. I'm sorry. I don't have a better answer for you on that. I just, it's just one of those strange things. Strange things. Noah says, JC feeling great after a tough, much needed win over Auburn. JC Horn played a great game. He held Seth Williams in check all day. Got his first two interceptions. How would he compare to the other elite corners in college football, such as Derek Stingley and Caleb Farley? I, I I think he compares probably better to Farley. Um with Sting Stingley's like six, three and a half, you know, so he's kind of your taller, longer guy. I think I'm thinking about that right. And Stingley, I don't know. I mean, what I would I have Stingley ahead of horn, probably. Uh, well, wait a minute. Let's back up. He's 6'1", 194. So he's actually the same size as J.C. Horn. He was 6'3", coming out of high school, and I was thinking about his high school recruiting profile. Um, you know, I, I think Stingley's uh, – they're probably similar. You know, I, I think Stingley plays a little longer. That's probably why I was confused with the height. Um, you know, Horn is a, is a tough, hard-nosed player. And, and, and you know, I, I think they're probably right there. Um, You know, Horn wasn't an All-American, but, you know, sometimes it's hard with these All-American teams when you don't have a pick for them to put you on there, you know. And I don't think Horn not having a pick until this past weekend was indicative of how he plays. You know, I just think it was just one of those things. Muschamp even said, hey, it's hard for me to even explain that. (laughs) But, um, you know, and I think he compares to Farley as well. You know, I I think those three are probably right there. Um, It's my hope. Since, you know, last year everybody watched Mukwamu have those picks against Georgia and he got some love for that. It's my hope that maybe some people watch the J.C. Horn game against Auburn and he gets some love for that uh, moving forward. So thanks for your email, Noah. Certainly appreciate that. Mark said, play of the secondary is the title of the email. Obviously Horn played amazing, but I felt the secondary had a great game in general. Yes, I agree. D-line was disappointing, gave Knicks way too much time, and Auburn opened up running lanes all day. Yeah, that's part of that's their their system. I thought their offensive line was better than I expected. Um, I, I do think that there were times South Carolina did get pressure and Nick scrambled, and that may have forced him to make some errant throws. So all was not lost. But I would have liked to have seen the D-line play a little better. I thought Keir Thomas played well. I thought Enig Barre getting the sack before the half was big. Uh, but they got to get to him. Uh, you're right, and so we'll see kind of – they need to play well this weekend because, like I said, I got a gut feeling is going to line up and run it at them. All right. My man Cartwright. Hey, JC, man, needed that win. Very happy with our performance, and I'm satisfied. Just to put my critical hat on for a minute, do you have any frustration like I did after we went up two touchdowns, started playing more conservative on offensive defense, felt like on offensive defense we were so conservative once we got ahead and at Clemson. They stepped on Georgia Tech's throat, and it seems like we have a trend of playing too careful once we get ahead. Um, Yeah, but in that type of game, man, you know, Auburn out gained the Gamecocks by 200 yards. They were going – they were having success. I I don't mind playing a little keep away from them and and then the last drive keeping everything in front of them. I think sometimes that's a, a recipe for a victory. And in that type of game, I didn't mind it. You know, what I don't like is when they get up, and then the other team, let's say once they got up 30-19, Auburn goes right down the field and scores a touchdown, gets a two-pointer, and it's 30-27, to and you're still trying to run it out. You know, that's when I get frustrated because at that point it's a three-point game. You need more points. Um, second question, do you think we see a totally different defense from LSU this week scheme-wise Now they got two weeks off. Coach O also mentioned they need to simplify their defense. Kind of scares me. We won't see anything that's been on tape this year, similar to what Auburn did to us on offense Saturday in the first half. If any Auburn fans are listening, don't worry. Gus will figure out a way to beat Bama and save his job again. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think defense is a different animal than, than offense, and I I, I kind of had a gut feeling Auburn would have some stuff. You know, I kind of said that last week. I thought they'd have some stuff uh, for the Gamecocks. Um, I think the worry is LSU is much better defensively talent-wise than what we've seen this year. Uh, I I believe that with all my heart. I don't think that's a team talent to talent that needs to give up 45 points against Missouri and all those completions. Um, And I do think with any new scheme, you know, Bo Pelini's trying to run some new stuff and and all that. So I think simplifying would help the LSU Tigers this weekend, and that is a concern. Uh, But Carolina needs to man up and run the ball. I mean, that's the key with South Carolina – as long as, like, they get what they got, they've been getting out of Harris and Fenwick, and they're able to run it, you know, Colin Hill's good enough to find the open man when they start passing it, Mike Bobo is good enough offensive play caller to where they're going to take advantage of some things. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's it. You just got to man up and run the ball. You know? <laughs> that's, a, that's how you win at Death Valley, you know, or at that Death Valley down in Baton Rouge. But thanks, Cartwright, for your email. I appreciate it. Andrew says, how did JC love the pod? Gave it much-deserved five-star ranking and had my family members do the same. Thank you. We're rocking and rolling. I just want to know how you thought Colin Hill played this past Saturday. I, for one, thought he did well. But noticed a few throws that made me question his game manager mentality. There were two or three times where the check down was wide open for the first down, but Hill chose to go big instead. You know, the example stands out would be where Van was wide open on the slant, but You know, Hill went big and fortunately received a P.I. call that kept the drive alive. I'm no football coach, but that play would drive me crazy in the film room. Do you think here the offense is feeling pressure to take more shots down the field? Reminds me a lot of Ghostbusters. Thanks in advance. You know, I I don't know. I I think that the the talk about Hill not being able to throw it down the field is overblown. You know, you watch the film from Colorado State. He can throw it during preseason. They were talking about his deep ball being really good. I I think the problem is you're not getting guys open downfield um and and yeah look that drive it drives everybody else crazy when hill doesn't go deep but it drives me crazy when he doesn't go for the open man uh because that's first downs and that's how this offense is going to be successful is grinding it out getting first downs you know holding the ball going up and down the field so i'm with you there I, i don't know if there's too much pressure to take shots um i do think that uh you know, I think that he just made a decision and that that's quarterbacking is decision-making. It's everything, especially these days when offenses are just (laughs) pass happy up and down the field. Uh, And in South Carolina's case, they, they need, you know, they need to be able to throw it around as well. And um, they just, they don't have a lot of guys at receiver, you know, so they have to kind of mix it up. I thought, one of the things that warmed my heart about the game on uh on Saturday was Adam Prentice catching a pass from the fullback position. I think that was good. Prentice obviously was the offensive player of the week for the Gamecocks uh cuz he had some really good blocks and opened up the run game, but that's that's the kind of stuff you see um and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you know, no quarterback is going to be perfect, but you know, seeing that is obviously you know, something that you're kind of like, well, why not just hit the open man? Because then you don't know. He, man may make a guy miss. Somebody may fall down. And, you know, he's he's got a gain about as big as where you threw it down the field to. So we'll see. Spence, hey, bud, hope you're well. Hope, okay, we got a stabilizing win, but to quote a Hamilton song, what comes next? My concern is that we went one and five after UGA last year, which is yet another yank the rug out from under you experience. Can you play out what not getting the rug pulled out looks like? I think it's to get to a bowl. Realistically, it's a tall order to go to the real Death Valley and get a W. LSU is still loaded. So let's say we're two and three coming out of that. Walk us through what a no-rug scenario looks like in 2020. Get to five. You know, I don't think four. Because, okay, so so when, when it looked like the Pac-12 and Big Ten weren't going to play, you know, four would probably get you to a bowl. You know, because you're, you're missing – at that point, you're missing the MAC and the Mountain West and all these little bowl tie-ins. And, you know, a lot of these bowls would love to have South Carolina. But, you know, unless the SEC just doesn't have enough teams with 500 or better records, you know, you're not going to get the postseason going four and six. They need to be five and five. Um, you know, so the two and three, if you lose to LSU, you gotta, just got to beat A&M. You know, that's not – A&M's good. But every team on the schedule is good. Auburn's good, you know. Tennessee's good. Florida's good. Uh, you know, you play as well as you did, you know, getting turnovers and stuff Saturday, and you continue to be able to run the football, you know, you're going to be able to hang with anybody on the schedule, including University of Georgia later this year. Um, so that's the deal. You know, I, I think you'd probably feel better if you're if you're at least five and three heading into Georgia and Kentucky – just because I think Kentucky's turned it around. Not that Carolina can't win either one of those games, but it's up in Lexington on December 5th. And we've been to Lexington in October before, and it's cold. It's going to be cold that day, especially if it's a night game. And not that the Gamecocks can't play well in the cold. It's just, you know, it's a different kind of deal going up there that late in the year. Um, So, yeah, not getting the rug pulled out. Looks like five and five and a nice bowl trip for the Gamecocks this year because then – you know, you're going to have some guys go pro. J.C. Horns probably going to go pro after this year and, and and all that. But everybody that wants to come back can come back. There's some guys that are good football players that, that probably, you know, are going to come back and play again in college, you know, because it's um, – you know, they're probably not high-level draft picks, you know. Um, i don't know and and again i, I kind of stand by what my opinion is on Colin hill is that if Colin hill makes it through the year and' is playing keeps playing like he's playing playing solid i think he's just gonna go take a shot now whether or not he gets drafted i don't know but he's gonna go take a shot because you know you've had three aCLs man i mean you, you know you should you probably should if you make it through the year so yeah spence five and five to me would be you know <laughs> not pulling the rug out from under you. Got a gift from Keith of Ric Flair with a Gamecock jersey on. Always love to, to see Ric Flair. Um, woo! That was awesome. James says, hey, JC, a little worried about the offense that we, this week. If they match up Stingley on shy, we need another receiver to step up. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Does the bye week help or hurt LSU or not matter much? Well, we we'll practice time helps. team seems like LSU needs – Live game reps for their limited experience. Yeah, there's two ways to look at it. I think LSU in general, you know, needs to regroup as a football program. I mean, I, and so I lean towards the bye week helping them. You know, it was going to do nothing for their confidence nor the confidence of their younger players to go to Florida and let's say they'd have gotten tattooed. Now, if they'd have gone to Florida and won, different story. But to me, that game without Miles Brennan in the swamp against that bunch was setting up as a tattoo. (laughs) So I I think it helps them a little bit. You know, the whole thing with them is, and look, this is what people don't get about LSU. Yes. They've recruited well. Yes. When you talk about talent, they're probably more, they're more talented than South Carolina. Okay. But you don't lose 36 players and both coordinators. And go through the COVID off experience, and do all, and you're installing a new defense with a guy that maybe you know is a little tough to play for, a little bit different style than Dave Aranda. I mean, it, it, it's, and I started looking at it all adding up, and I'm like, man, this is, I mean, because I like LSU, I, I, I love Coach O, Gold Tigers. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't. You know, I don't pull against many teams in the SEC, but, I, you know, I definitely don't pull against LSU. And so, you know, I started kind of feeling bad because I was like, man, this is this is going to be tough. And then all of a sudden Mike Leach, who has not done much since this game, goes down there and light, they lit them up, you know. So then they go to Vandy, and this is kind of what concerned me last week about the Gamecocks. I'm like, well, LSU went to Vandy and won 41-7. to and then they had to go to Missouri in a game that was supposed to be in Baton Rouge and they lost 45, 41. So they didn't really fix anything with Vandy. Uh, I think the Gamecocks actually used that Vandy game to get more confidence and fix some things. And, and so when you look at it, it's like, you know, they've got problems. They got problems. And if their quarterback doesn't play this weekend, as much as they like to throw the ball, you know, I, like I said, I think they're going to try to line it up and say, all right, we've got great. We've got really good backs. They do have good backs. Uh, in South Carolina, here it is. Just stop us. <laughs> kind of like Les Miles did back in 2012. Uh, I kind of expect something similar. Maybe not. Maybe not because they, they've they kind of changed their approach offensively, as we all know. Uh, and it, it's just as wide open this year as it was last year. But with a freshman quarterback this weekend? Mm. Mm. And you're right about Stingley on shy. That's, uh, if I were them, I'd give – Shai Smith to Derek Stingley, and I'd say go battle. And that's exactly what I'd do. All right. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur pod uh, for everything. Oh, basketball news. South Carolina's playing Northwestern in the first round of the Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City. So the Gamecocks get a 10 game against a Big Ten team. Wildcats went to the NCAA tournament, I think, a couple of years ago for the first time ever. Maybe ever. Uh, so the Northwestern Wildcats will play the Game Cox. Northwestern was eight and twenty-three last season, so they're a few years removed from that. So we're gonna talk more basketball here coming up too, because it's October 20th and practice has started, and there's a lot of positives, a lot of positives coming out of the Game Cox basketball camp. And you guys know me, I love to talk basketball and all that good stuff. But we're out of time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your patience. This week, uh, as we got it out here, going to have this episode up here in a little bit. I did want to wait till after the press conference today. That's why I didn't have it first thing. Uh, So we're going to rock and roll. With that, for the rest of the week, I am J.C. Sherbert. This is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll holla at you soon.